Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. And happy Mother's Day, everybody. This morning, we will speak with Jim Johnson. He's the executive director of Companions in Courage Foundation. They work hard to help children with medical issues in hospitals improve mentally and physically. You will love what they are doing. So, as we always suggest, be prepared to take down some valuable information you're here on the show this morning. And as always, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of your Sunday. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond after this time out on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond. I'm Larry Hardesty. Well, Jim Johnson was an executive involved in sales and marketing for the New York Islanders from 1982 through 1995. That's where he initiated a host of successful ticket and promotional concepts. He went on to manage the largest authorized technology training organization in North America called Westcon Services, and he served on the advisory councils at Microsoft, Novell, and IBM. Jim was also an industry leader in the delivery of instructor-led training via satellite and streaming video. He served on the Companions Encouraged Foundation Board of Directors for three years before joining as an executive director in 2003. He also holds a degree in journalism from Morrisville College. I didn't know that. Join me in welcoming my buddy, Jim Johnson. Hey, Jim, how are you? Good morning, Larry. How are you today? I'm doing great, my friend. Thanks for giving us a couple minutes on this Sunday morning. And here's what's so interesting. We're going to talk about uh, Companions in Courage. And it's so funny. Every time I think about this organization, I want to change the name to Champions in Courage Foundation, Jim, because all you guys that are working with these kids and doing the great job led by Pat LaFontaine are champions in my book. <laughs> it's kind of you to say that, but we've been doing this for 20 years. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard it pronounced champions in courage, profiles in courage, <laughs> companions, E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E, courage. It's, it's very funny. And, and I always say that to Pat LaFontaine. So as we both know, our, our good friend, Pat LaFontaine's Hall of Fame hockey player, one of the top 100 players of all time. When he started this foundation – he, I said, why don't you just call Pat LaFontaine Foundation like everybody does? He said, I don't want it to be about me. I want to make it inclusive so that everybody feels like they can be a companion in courage. And that's kind of how it all came around. And I appreciate you thinking about us as champions, but we're just conduits. You know, we're just helping lead people to what is the right thing to do at the right time. What made Pat LaFontaine, and you mentioned it, his, his hockey credentials are well-respected and well-known. He's a one of the tremendous players who ever played the, played the game, who ever laced up the skates to get on the ice. But yep. what made him see this as an opportunity, a need for this type well, of situation? Well, when he was still playing, Larry, he would go visit kids in children's hospitals, wherever he was, in New York City, Long Island, up in Buffalo, Western New York. And the thing that always he walked away with was the feeling that all these kids need is to feel loved. And at the time, most of the teen lounges and areas where kids could be set aside in a hospital were pretty, pretty bad shape. You know, they had some broken down computers. They had static board games that were missing pieces. And he said, you know, if I ever get into a position I'd love to be able to create a space in hospitals 
that kids can go to safely and just be away from all the poking and prodding. Hmm. And so he called me about 20 years ago and said, you know, I, I need some help. You know, a lot of people at the time I, I had previously met Pat. I ran sales and marketing for the New York Islanders. And when I left there, I went to work in technology and wound up running one of the largest technology training companies in North America. So I had a lot of contacts at Cisco and Microsoft and all of the technology firms at the time. And Pat called me and he said, I have this idea. Let's build these game rooms in children's hospitals. I said, it's a fantastic idea, but I'm out. Hmm. And he said, why, why are you out? And I said, because I'm a mush. I'll be crying all the time. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. And he said, No. He said, You'll be you'll be surprised at the reaction you'll get from parents, even if a child, God forbid, passes. Just the fact that you help put a smile on their child's face in their final days is going to mean the world. And I didn't know what he was talking about, so I said, All right. After about six weeks of persistence on his part. I said, all right, I'll give you six months. And that was 20 years ago. Mm. And it's been the most gratifying thing I've done in my life. And I'm so, I feel so blessed that Pat came to me as a friend and said, can you help me? And he has had a profound impact on my life by asking me to join his life's work here with Companions and Courage. And jumping ahead of the story a little bit, it's also propelled you to do some work that you and I do with athletes helping athletes and working with some kids, some children that are just a little bit older in some cases, Jim, but, but that's the same thing. It's that it's, it's where you reach out to grab and understand that you have an influence and there's a need Jim. And that's where you and and Pat figured this out 20 years ago. Well, I mean, you know, we've been fortunate both of us to be involved with, some amazing people from Tim Bassett and Leslie Allen, Billy Taylor and Kyle Copeland. And, you know, through the guidance of Warren Brining, the athletes helping athletes program, it is a program that is, was so far ahead of its time as well when it started 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Pat LaFontaine was one of the early trainers in the program. And he saw at the time the need to reach out to young people. And at the time, the primary concern there was drinking and driving quite candidly. Mm -hmm. And you look at all of the issues now that you and I talk to these kids about from opioid abuse to hazing, to online pressures, to parents that are putting pressure on kids. It is almost insurmountable to kids and they need that, you know, they need that vehicle. They need somebody, uh, an older person that they can talk to and candidly share their thoughts and and feelings and try to help them change their little corner of the world so that maybe their lives can be a little bit better. And it's the same thing with Companions and Courage. We go into hospitals where, you know, especially now, obviously, with what's going on in the world, to connect a kid to the outside world while they're in a hospital is one of the, the great accomplishments that Pat LaFontaine has ever had in his career. And and he's really made a difference. And he's the perfect example, Larry, of all those other people that you and I know who use their celebrity to improve the lot of people in need. 
Yeah, absolutely. Jim Johnson is my guest. He is the executive director of Companions in Courage Foundation. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. We'll explore what the lion's den rooms are and what is a child life staffer. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue our discussion with Companions and Courage Executive Director Jim Johnson. Before I get in-depth into uh, child life staffs and the lion's den rooms and stuff like that, Jim, what has this COVID-19 pandemic done when so often now we don't, we're eliminating people from going into hospitals and you've got a scenario where, you know, loved ones can't be with, with loved ones in hospitals. Has that, these type of, you know, situations, has that affected what you guys are able to do with the companions and courage? Yeah, yeah, there's no question, Larry. I mean, where we are right now as a society is in the right place. People are looking at COVID-19 and saying, how do we, you know, try to ease the way for people who have tested positive, the people that are fighting it, the frontline healthcare workers, all that attention should be on those people. But where we are drawing attention back to is the fact that you still have children's hospitals. There's 200 children's hospitals across North America that now have patients in beds that can no longer because of COVID restrictions, see their family. They can't see their friends. Uh, They're stuck in beds. They can't even go down the hall to the teen lounge and play a video game because they're not allowed to, to mingle. So what has transpired in our world is we're still trying to do stuff to help the COVID patients and the frontline uh, medical staff. We've, you know, it's not our mission, but we've been involved in a couple of projects where we have gotten face shields, as an example, uh, made and delivered to a thousand healthcare workers. We have gone to our technology partners and said, you know, we have the ability to reach into hospitals. We know who to talk to. If you can provide us with, you know, these resources, we'll get it to the right people. And so what we have done is kind of morph our mission, which is no child in the fight for life or health should ever have to go through it alone. We are expanding that into nobody in the fight for life or health Mm. should ever have to go through it alone. And we're trying to do whatever we can whenever a need arises. That's amazing. That's just amazing. Uh, Jim, tell me about these lion's den rooms. It sounds fascinating. Well, they they are fascinating, you know, and they were really revolutionary 20 years ago when Pat had this idea. He uh, we were looking at various uh, designers and people who create uh, these spaces in hospitals. And we were introduced to Edwin Schlossberg of ESI Design in New York. Edwin is a brilliant designer. He's designed uh, things uh, just in Liberty Island. He's done things at the Vatican uh, Children's Museums. And he created what he calls an experiential space. So what that means is he built uh, a model of these rooms that have curved walls, that have light boxes that change color. Uh, the, the rooms are filled with technology. They have PCs in them. They have uh, video games, they have large screen TVs so kids can either 
you know, Skype or Hangout or Zoom or whatever they do these days. And all of the, the, the surfaces are made out of Corian by DuPont. And Corian is a non-porous material that's very easy to wipe down and clean between patients. So patients can go into these spaces, and we've heard them described as being, it's kind of like going from Kansas into Oz. So if you think of hospitals as these sterile, you know, black and white, you know, your room is, you know, where you go to get injected to this colorful room that's got music playing and lights and all kinds of services that a kid would love to have in their own basement. It really, it it has an impact emotionally on the healing process. And we've seen studies that have been done that show that by changing the environment that a patient is in, it changes their disposition and enhances their ability to recover. So for us, that's the best feeling in the world. One of the very first rooms that we built was actually up in Maria Ferreri Children's Hospital in Westchester. And I was there about two weeks before we opened the room, and a little girl came to the door. I was fixing some of the computers, and she had an IV pole, and she was in her pajamas. And she came to the door, and she said, Mr., is this room open yet? And I said, well, no, not really. But I said, if you want to play a video game, go ahead and play a game. And I showed her how to get online, and she started playing a video game. And I went back to what I was doing. A few minutes later, I stood up, and I saw a woman standing at the door, and there were tears coming down her cheeks. Mm. And I went over to her, and I said, I'm sorry, but are you okay? And she said, that's my daughter. She said she wouldn't get out of bed but she heard that there was a room here in the hospital that she had to go see. And I'm watching her now. She doesn't even know she's in a hospital anymore and she doesn't feel pain. This is the best part of my day. I started crying. (laughs) I was like, damn that LaFontaine. I I told him I was too much of a mush, but I went out in the hall and I called Pat and I said, you're not even going to believe this, but the very first child, to ever come into one of your rooms just had the experience that you dreamed of. She's, she's not in the hospital anymore and she's not in pain. And, you know, we, we shared a real special moment and, you know, we have been able to build through generosity of high net worth individuals and corporations and, and sports leagues and teams. We've built 20 of these rooms now in hospitals across North America and we're impacting 50,000 children a year in these rooms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, LaFontaine was a pretty good hockey player, but he's a far better human being. You know, what's fascinating about that story, Jim, and you and I both have come in contact with athletes as we have in, in our normal life and experiences. And even if it's not necessarily athletes, but just people going through illnesses and health challenges, yeah. Jim, your mental attitude helps and affects your rate of rehab and ability to battle that illness that you're in. There's no doubt about that. And so when you hear the story that you just told about that whole young lady now changing her mental attitude, okay, here's my goal. I'm going to do what they say 
so I can get better, so I can get back to that room and get amazing. back on that computer and do what I need to do. It it, it goes hand in hand, Jim. No, it's amazing. And and you know what? To your point, four years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, I've been doing this stuff for 15 years or so at the time. I'm like, how is it possible that the guy that's helping kids get through their illness is now sick himself? And you know what I found, Larry, was that it was the kids that inspired me. Mm. So, you know, all of that time that I'd been putting in doing what I, I love doing came back to me in spades when I, I needed support at that point in my life. And I thought back to all of those little kids that, you know, showed how important it is that your attitude and your heart is when it comes to healing. And, and I, I am convinced that that was part of what got me through my whole process. And, I, you know, these kids inspire me to this day. It, it, it's, it's like the conversations we have as trainers, Jim, after a, a session with the high school students. And we always say, we don't know who gets more out of this program. Is it the high schoolers or the kids that they reach out to? You know, yep. because it's that reciprocal thing. They, they, you know, everybody gets something from each other. And so that was the situation with you. And, um, we're happy that yeah. you've won that battle, my friend, because we were, we were a little concerned about you, but you know what? You, you fought hard. <laughs> well, you know what? There's, there's too much living to do, and there's right. too much good to be done. So, you know, I, you use that, you know, you have some dark days, and that's when you really call on that power and say, okay, you know, this is a day that I need something. And, you know, it's a team, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's an amazing thing, right? So Pat was an expert. He was a captain of his teams and stuff, and he was an expert at putting the right people together at the right time. And that's kind of what has happened with this foundation, because, you know, while we were building these rooms and they were having tremendous impact, he also was pushing us. And one of the things that Schlossberg told us very early on, he said, you're building these rooms. The only limitation is technology. He said, as technology advances, these rooms are just plug and play. Just get a new video game, get a new PC, get a new whatever the technology is. And he was so right. We're doing things now. Some of the hospitals were bringing in 3d printers for the mm -hmm. kids, you know, and whoever thought 20 years ago, 3d printing would, you know, have the impact it does, but combined with kids learning about STEM. And one of the things that, you know, we found out by accident, we had a 3d printer in one of the hospitals and the hospital staff came back to us after six months and they said, we've made a, a huge breakthrough. And I said, in what way? They said, we found out that patients with eating disorders, I guess part of the underlying issue with them is that they don't have control over things in their life or they don't feel that they have control. And the 3D printer allows them to conceive of something, design that thing, and then watch it actually get built that gives them a feeling of control over something in their life. Mm. And, and we're finding that we have a dozen in, in this one hospital. So we have a dozen patients with eating disorders. Virtually every one of them has gotten better as we've introduced 3d printing in the lion's den room to them. Wow. So, you know, we we just sit back and shake our heads like, wow, that that's what this is about, you know, and, and going back to Edwin Schlossberg saying, you're only limited by technology, and, and he's spot on based on what we've seen. 
Jim, tell me about some of the child life staffs. What makes them? How how are they chosen? What exactly are their tasks? So, to me, child life people are some of the most important people in the hospital. When we started this, I had no idea what child life was. But what child life is, is a very, very important component of the healing process. So when a child gets admitted to a hospital today, you know, you you have a doctor that might perform a surgery or might provide some other service. Nurses are now coming in. They're doing a lot of the work that the doctors used to do. But the day-to-day, you know, the other 16 hours of the day that a child isn't sleeping, child life, in my, I've always classified them as kind of surrogate parents. So what happens is child needs to take their medicine to child life that makes sure that they do. A child needs to get down to therapy sessions to child life that makes sure they get down there. Child needs to start working on their motor skills. It's child life who comes in and make sure that they have, you know, games that they can play or they can do artwork or they can do music or pet therapy. It's all comes under the auspices of child life. And one of the things that we have seen happen, I, I, I am a huge fan of child life people in hospitals mm-hmm. and everyone that I meet, they keep, they seem to be, I don't know, maybe when they get their certifications, They get some kind of a magic wand over them that they're all the same disposition. They're always happy. Mm. They're always there committed to the patients. You know, think about you have three children, Larry, and you have one child who's sick in the hospital and either you or your wife wants to be with the child at all times. Well, sometimes you can't do that in today's world. Both parents have to work. Maybe one parent is working, the other one is taking care of the other two that need to get to dance class or to basketball practice. So child life is fills that void, and they come in and they make sure that even if, you know, the, the natural parent isn't there, there's always a parent there, and, you know, it's through somebody in child life. So what's what's transpired now is in some of these hospitals, because of COVID, You know, as an example, uh, there's a hospital in New York City that has 100 patient beds, and they have 30 child life staff on duty. Mm -hmm. And as of last Friday, because of COVID, either because somebody on the child life staff tested positive or somebody had been exposed and now needs to spend 14 days in quarantine, or maybe somebody in child life had to be repurposed to go work in a COVID unit because they were shorthanded. This hospital in New York was down to six child life staff for a hundred kids. Wow. So it's, it's overwhelming. It's a tsunami on these people too. They're not in the direct line maybe of COVID, but they are in the direct line because these kids need services. So that's kind of where Pat has pushed us towards is, to say, let's, let's see what we can do. So we have gone back to Google as an example and told Google, you know, what kind of programs do you have to provide tablets, whether they be Chromebooks or Pixel Slates? Uh, they had already donated 40 uh, Pixel Slates or Chromebooks to us that we have distributed to hospitals. And this morning they, they sent us an email actually overnight that said they're going to send us 40 more. Wow. So 
which is extraordinary. So they will go as soon as we receive them, they're going to be uh, set up and shipped out to hospitals to immediately go into servicing these kids that are all alone in the hospital. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, while while uh, checking out your website, which is cic16.org, uh, Jim, I noticed you've got these live webcam links. Tell me about those. Yeah, so so that's been another, you know, thing that has kind of evolved, right? So um, as we were looking, and, and this actually goes back long before COVID, we said, let's look at resources that we can apply uh, to bring celebrities to the kids. So we went to the patients in the hospital and we said, if you could ask any celebrity any question, what would it be? And they tell us the celebrity and they tell us the questions. And then we reach out to the celebrity and say, would you be willing to give us five minutes to answer this child's questions? And the, the response, as you can imagine, is overwhelming. Everybody is absolutely and it's, it's as simple as the celebrity sitting with their phone, answering the questions, uploading it to an account that we have. We package it and make it available on our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was good. But we also realized, you know, in the example I just gave you about a child life staff being decimated through COVID, that those people don't have the time to do the research. So what we did is we went out in addition to telling them, Hey, we've got some great content for you. That's original content. We also hooked them up to live webcams and live uh, links to things like the international space station Mm. or to the Smithsonian or to uh, the San Diego zoo and uh, aquariums. So what happens is, now a child with one of these tablets that we're providing can sit all by themselves for an hour or two and be totally entertained by original content or stuff that's happening live. They can sit and they can watch the pandas at the National Zoo, or they can watch the penguins being fed at, at an aquarium out in California. It's, it's a, and all of it is helping in the healing process because it's taken their mind off of the pain. It's taken their mind off of feeling bad about their situation. And it, it connects them to the outside world when they're otherwise very much isolated. It's the voice of Jim Johnson. He's the executive director of Companions and Courage Foundation. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond. When we return. What are some of the technological changes Companions in Courage have noticed over the past 20 years? Stay with us on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's conclude my discussion with Jim Johnson, Executive Director of the Companions in Courage Foundation. Jim, take me back. Now, uh, how has this foundation grown? And you've given us little examples, but just take us back from day one, 20 years ago, to where you are, what are some of the changes that you've seen? Well, it's a great question, Larry, because things have changed quite a bit. Um, what we have seen in healthcare, and and you know, I'm not an advocate of this, and a lot of the child life people that I talk to are not advocates of this. So that's my disclaimer going in. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of the new hospitals that are getting built, and they, they don't build a lot of new children's hospitals, standalone hospitals, but the ones that are getting built, they are focused on providing, um, you know, video games and, you know, Netflix and stuff at a patient's bedside. And, and they also are focused on having private beds so that, you know, there's one patient in a room. And, you know, theoretically, you say, wow, that's really great. You're all alone and you get to watch whatever you want to watch and play whatever you want to play. It's actually counterintuitive. And I'll mm. tell you a story. Okay. When we first started in one of the first Lion's Den rooms, they, this was actually in New York City at Kravis Children's in Mount Sinai. Again, I'm in the room kind of minding my own business, and I see a little boy who is maybe six or seven and an older boy who's probably about 16. And they're playing side-by-side video games, but they're not talking to each other. And, you know, at that time, they used to say to us, you know, the healthcare people, and eh, maybe we shouldn't mix the younger kids with the older kids. Maybe we should set hours where only the little kids can come in. And then in the evening, maybe the older kids only. I said, do what you want to do. You know, we're, we're providing you this resource, but we're not going to tell you how to run it. That's your bellywick. You know, you guys, you guys know patient behavior better than we could ever know it. So at any rate, I'm watching these two young boys playing a video game. All of a sudden, the 16-year-old looks at the little guy and he goes, you know, if you hit that yellow button twice, that guy will get superpowers and he can do better in the game. And the little kid goes, oh, my God, I didn't know that. And he hits it, and I see him get all excited. Mm. And the bigger kid, you know, kind of cocky, sitting there playing his video game. And he tells the kid another little tip on how to play the game. And then the remarkable thing happens. The older kid turns to the little guy and he said, what were your numbers today? And the little guy said, well, I was like 480. And the older guy says, 480? You've got to tell the doctor you want to go on my diet. You've got to get your numbers down. And I realized at that moment that both of those kids were diabetic. Mm. And the older kid was trying to counsel and coach the younger kid so that he would get better. And, and work with doctors to try to get better. And I realized the power of having this social aspect of healing. And I think when we see new hospitals being built where kids are isolated, one off to a room, I think we lose that. And, you know, maybe right now at this moment in time, because of COVID, yes, it's better that kids stay isolated, one off in a room. But I think in the overall healing process, that ability to socialize, whether you're 16 or six, doesn't matter. You're both going through something difficult together in healthcare, and you can be inspirational to each other. So one of the things that I've seen is, you know, a, a, a look and feel that people in the world may think that it's better to be single in a room. We kind of are, are counter to that. And we're looking and saying, you no, know, there's a place for that, but kids really need to be together. And, and that's, I guess, kind of the biggest thing that we've seen in change. And then going back to Edwin Schlossberg's comments, you're only limited by technology. Mm. So, you know, the thing that we are always, always uh, looking at 
And, uh, you know, about two weeks ago, I was talking to a company that does artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to see, is this the time to start introducing that into our offerings? And candidly, I don't think it's there yet. You know, there are some aspects that are great, but there's a lot of aspects to it. You know, uh, you have to put on a headset. How do you clean that headset between patient uses? There are some aspects of AI that could spark somebody to have a seizure. You know, how do we manage that? So it's, it's, it's potentially, it's going to be the next thing, but it isn't there yet. So we, you know, constantly are talking to child life uh, directors, finding out what their needs are. And then we, rush to try to address those needs and that's never been more so than now i mean we we heard from a couple of our hospitals how how frustrating it was at this point in maternity wards mothers couldn't be the only one in the maternity ward you know they, a father couldn't be there as his child is getting born and so we talked to cisco and they came up with some really high-end uh, like tablets that are high definition cameras so that a dad can experience the birth of his child. And we provided that to the hospitals. They hospitals then took some of those devices and they put them into some of the COVID units because that was the only way that some of the people in COVID, uh, you know, treatments could talk to their families. So the, the world of healthcare is evolving I think the more bandwidth that is available at hospitals, the greater the experience is going to be, whether it be, you know, streaming, you know, live events from the International Space Station or from a museum or an aquarium or just the birth of a child. Technology is going to take us places that 20 years ago we could have never imagined. And that's the exciting part of our job is it it evolves and it changes every day. And we get instant feedback from the kids when we hear that, oh, my God, I can't believe we were able to do this today. You know, we we did a live chat with an astronaut in the International Space Station. Mm. I mean, think about that when you and I were kids. What were the odds of you and I talking to Neil Armstrong? Listen, people were trying to convince us that that Neil Armstrong was really on the moon, or not some some <laughs> movie set on the on the West Coast. <laughs> so we couldn't even think about talking to him. We didn't even know where he was. <laughs> That's true. You're very true. So yeah, no, but it's you know as we look at as you know where things are going, it's only going to be better and it's going to be more powerful, and hopefully it helps in the healing process even more. Jim. Uh, you're not doing this for free, my friend. There are donations, there are advertisers, there are sponsors that you've had. Why don't you take a couple of minutes while, before we uh, end our chat today and, and congratulate some of the folks over the years and some of the people who are, you know, been very helpful and, and well, doing some of the things that you guys have needed done to help these kids. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, Larry. You know, Pat and I have been kind of like mom and pop, you know, but <laughs> – but but mom and pop have an incredible, incredible backing of supporters, both financially and, and people that 
you know, when we introduce this whole concept to them, people step up in, in financial ways, but, but also corporations, you know, the technology, we talked about Microsoft, Microsoft built uh, 400 uh, mobile Xbox kiosks that we delivered to patients' bedsides. And it was a direct result. They said, we love what you do with the lion's dens. Can we do more? So they said, well, how about if we build these devices that the kid can't get to the lion's den room to play a game? They can play at their bedside. They just built 400 of these units and, wow. and shipped them to us, and we sent them out to the hospitals. Google, as I mentioned, they came to us and they said, listen, we love these hangouts you're doing and these, these live star chats. What else can we do? And they came up and they donated now 80 tablets that are available to kids at their bedsides. We've worked with Cisco. Cisco has been phenomenal. There's a gentleman named Mark Leff who heads our technology advisory board. And Mark, you know, we, we thought we were just going to, you know, bring him in and he was going to help us with some hardware. Well, he took it upon himself. He started a running race that generates $20,000, $25,000 a year in support of Companions and Courage. One of the great things that we do with that money is every year in the holidays, we do live chats with Santa Claus. So, wow. you know, think, think about it. You're a sick kid in the hospital. You can't go to a shopping mall to tell Santa Claus what you want. What we do is we get a Santa Claus live from the North Pole to uh, sit and have personal one-on-one -on -one visits with patients. The information on each patient is sent up to the North Pole in advance so that Santa knows the next person coming in is this child. This is his siblings' names. This is the name of their pet. And Santa knows everything about them. And then we provide gift cards for every single patient. And in some cases, what the child life staff does is they take those gift cards, listen to what the child asks Santa for. That night, they'll go to the local store, purchase with that gift card, whatever the child asks for, wrap it. And when the kid wakes up in the morning, it's sitting at the foot of their bed. Mm. Mm. Now, if that isn't the holiday spirit, you know, you could be Scrooge and you would, you would, your heart would melt watching yeah. this experience happen. And this is because a hockey player decided to make a difference in a couple of kids' lives. You know, our board is comprised of some great people. We have a couple of people in healthcare, Diane Rohde, she runs the child life department at Mount Sinai Hospital. Dr. Sean Lebchuk, he's the head pediatric heart surgeon at St. Francis. We have a gentleman named George Ross. George was uh, on The Apprentice. He was the older gentleman on The Apprentice, oh, if yeah, you remember. Yeah, 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 definitely. And George is a great guy. He has all the visions about how to do these programs and these kind of television shows from his years of experience. We have a couple of uh, gentlemen from the finance world. Jerry Wood is a former partner at Morgan Stanley, and uh, Rich Pluta is involved with uh, Merrill Lynch right now. And uh, Carl Lombardi is our treasurer. So Carl Lombardi is a gentleman who runs a manufacturing plant on Long Island. And he said he's the guy that brought the idea about 3D printers to us. He said, mm -hmm. I use 3D printers all the time to manufacture the stuff I do. Why don't we introduce that to the hospitals? And who would have ever believed that it could have the impact that it did? So, you know, we're blessed and we know we're blessed. 
and you know it makes it even it's it's a team thing right so in sports larry what is the thing we want to all do in sports we want to win yeah well you know when you win in sports you get a trophy or you know you get some kind of recognition when you win in as a companion in courage you're saving lives Hmm. and you know pat has he shares the story that when he would go visit some kids, uh, when he was done with the visit, he would take off his gown and his cap because these kids were so sick. And in one particular case, a nurse came to him and started crying and said, you know, you don't realize the impact that you have on this child. And Pat said, oh, he's my friend. You know, I enjoy it. Come play video games with him once every week or so. She says, no, you don't get it the only time this boy smiles is when you are here. So think about that, that an mm. athlete can have that kind of an impact on a child going through something very difficult. And, you know, then you realize that being a companion in courage and making sure that no child in the fight for life or health goes through it alone is probably one of the greatest callings that any of us can be involved in. And we're so blessed to have a great, great nucleus behind us to allow us to do what we do. Jim, I can't think of a better way to end our conversation this morning uh, other than to give out the website and give some information about how people can donate. Uh, because I know you guys have, I mean, because you always brag about these big events you have, like the the Runner's <laughs> Edge, Main Street Mile, and the big, you know, Golf Classic in October. And right. see, you know, we're, we're waiting to see, and you'll get back to us and let us know whether they have to be rescheduled because of the COVID-19 right. foundation, but right. uh, COVID-19 situation. But obviously, yeah. you know, th- this is going to cut into the funds that these kids need. So let's talk about donations, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate that because it is critical right now. In all likelihood, uh, we're probably not going to be able to do either of those two big fundraising events. And But we want to still continue to make a difference. So if people can, you know, and it's a hard ask right now, we know that and we appreciate it. But if anybody can support the work that we're doing, it's critical work right now. And it's not, you know, in in the line of the COVID, but it is, it's, it's deeply impacted by COVID. So we're at CIC16.org. So CIC16.org. And uh, we're also on Twitter. We're also on, um, you know, YouTube. Uh, just do a Google search on Pat LaFontaine and you'll be able to find where we are. Uh, there's plenty of places on our website where people can go and donate. Uh, I just got a, a call this morning, actually, from a bank. They they said, you know, we love what you guys are doing. We've never really been involved deeply with what you're doing. We want to take a much a- more active role. How do we help? Can we designate what hospital gets the help? And the answer is, of course. Our Our mission is to help any child that's sick and that's in a hospital. And if we have somebody come to us, I had somebody from a hospital in Las Vegas about a month ago, right before all of this happened, uh, say, we're, we would love to be able to put a lion's den room in Las Vegas. How do we get started? Mm. And, you know, that's all we need is the impetus from somebody to say, I want to help this give you all of the tools that you need all of the introductions for the technology. We'll do whatever we can 
And once we give you those items that we get donated from the technology partners, that's it. That's our only requirement. We don't ask for anything else. So, you know, if, if you can help at CIC16.org, that's wonderful. And, you know, just everybody, please be safe and continue to be well. Jim, it's always a pleasure. It's always fun talking with you, my friend. And give uh, Pat and all the folks that are doing such great work with these kids who are giving them the opportunity to find the road, uh, the game plan, right, to to get healthy and to have that positive attitude that, that goes along with the medicine and, and the people around them, uh, that they get better. And hopefully, Jim, one day uh, things will be so good with, with the medicine and things that we'll just talk about. You, you'll be, you and I will be sitting back talking. Remember when we used to have the – companions and courage and we were doing all this stuff now you know what things have moved right on well you know what you're a companion and courage larry because you're very much involved and and getting the word out is one of the most important things that any charity can have and we truly appreciate your friendship first and foremost but your your added compassion for pediatric patients and children's hospitals is is something that we cherish very much so thank you for that All right, Jim. Thanks a lot. Give our regards to everybody. You and your family stay safe as well, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for listening. We'll join you during the week on ESPN New York tonight and right back here next Sunday morning on New York Sports and Beyond. For my producer, primetime Ray Santiago, I'm Larry Hardesty. The conversation continues right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.